Did a talking mongoose haunt a family in the 1930s? And today I talk about personal experiences I had at the historically haunted Stanley Hotel today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. Both my best friends forgot my birthday. One, I could understand both. So if you detect that my voice is a little monotone than normal, or you hear the sound of my soul being ripped from my body, that's why. I actually didn't plan on recording an episode today, not just because of that, because I had got called into work tomorrow and I had a long day today, but yeah, what are you going to do? Let's go ahead and go on to our first story. So, our first story is the story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Now, his name's Jeff, but his it's spelt G-E-F. He's this little, well, he's a talking mongoose. I think that kind of, kind of is obvious, but it's a little more than that. It was almost a, he looks like a mongoose, but nobody really ever saw him. He acts like a talking animal would, if you think, you know, animals can talk, but he also has qualities of like a poltergeist. You know, it it was a curious case back then. Well, I guess it's a curious case now, but, you know, man, this is going to be a hard episode to record. Okay, let me get centered here. So anyways, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. So this story took place back in the 1930s. It was in the Isle of Man, which is somewhere in Europe. Maybe it's off of England. I don't know. um, Let's just see if we can get through on this episode. So Isle of Man is somewhere on the planet Earth. I believe it's in England. And so anyways, there's this family living out there. They're called the Irvings. And it's a mother and a father and a a little 12-year-old girl. And they start to hear little voices. No, 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 no. Let me back up here. So the dad's name is James. This is going to be a rough one, guys. Just, Just get through with this. We can get through this together. So... The dad's name is James, and they start hearing, like, these weird noises in their walls of this house in the 1930s. So it's not the most well-put-together house. And he keeps hearing these, like, noises, and for whatever reason, he decides, like, I'm going to start talking to these noises and figure out what they are. And he realizes that the noises change. So he begins, like, growling at the... At one point, there's, like, a growling come from the wall... He growls back, and then it seems like the creature responds to him. So he's like, well, that's interesting. So he's talking to the wall. (laughs) He's talking to the wall for a while, you know, over the course of weeks and stuff like that. And, like, he would, if he growled, the creature on the other side of the wall would make a similar growl. So then he's, like, started making other animal noises. And eventually he could name an animal, and it would, like, if he goes chicken, it would go, bark, 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 bark. And he goes, every so often, it sounded like it was a gurgling, like it was trying to learn English. And and here's this is where I say, and you, I'm sure you're saying as well, how do, how do you make gurgling, how do you equate that with having to learn English? Here's the thing, the story is so inconsistent. Because, yeah, if you heard, first off, if you heard anything coming from your walls, you're taking a sledgehammer to it and strangling anything on the other side. Especially if it's making a bunch of animal noises. Eventually, it does start talking, though, and introduces itself as Jeff. 
for and I don't know. It's spelled G E F. I don't know if that's normal for Isle of Man or if the the mongoose is like spell it with a G and leave off an F. But anyway, so James Irving is like, oh, I got this hyper intelligent mongoose. Even he said he was a mongoose from New Delhi. And he's like, Jeff's like, hey, I'm a mongoose from New Delhi. And so James begins talking to it. And it gets to the point, there's a bunch of weird stuff that goes on with the story. So anyways, the mother doesn't like Jeff. And the Jeff, or the mother doesn't like Jeff. And Jeff doesn't like the mother. So they don't interact much. But the young girl, she's 13. Her name is Vori. That's a bizarre name. So the, the mongoose talks to Vori Talks to James and talks to Vori, and Vori actually, like, Jeff will show himself to Vori. James only just catches, like, fleeting glimpses of it. And he's basically, like, a total dick. Like, he's, and that's where he has the qualities of a poltergeist, where he'd, like, throw stuff and be mean, and he'd say, like, jacked up stuff to these people. One time he called James Irving, like, a big fat potato head or something like that. And, yeah, so, at one point, he, <laughs> Jeff is, like, Really, really, like, getting on Vori's nerves. Like, in a creepy way. In, like, a stalker way. And and Vori's like, I'm tired of Jeff. I'm tired of Jeff running around this house. You know, and I'm, I'm seeing him and stuff, and he's just being a dick to me. So, the parents are like, okay, well, let's see if we can figure out another room you can stay in. And Jeff doesn't like that. <laughs> Let me, okay. He didn't call him. Let me back up here. Because he didn't call him a big fat potato head. What he called him. So James was reading the newspaper very slowly. And Jeff wanted him to read it quickly for whatever reason. He said, read it out, you fat-headed gnome. So, I mean, I well, maybe fat potato, fat potato head was funnier. I don't know. But anyways, fat-headed gnome is what he called James once. Anyways, Vori got sick and tired of him, like dicking around with her so the parents get together and they're like let's have a meeting and figure out what room to put you in that we can you know so you don't have to interact with jeff much because they couldn't find him and then like as they're having this meeting jeff says i'll follow her wherever you put her which is creepy here's a little thing so james at one point they're like we'll put you vori you can sleep in your bedroom and we will barricade you in like you can barricade yourself into your room so when you sleep you don't have to like hear like creepy mongoose noises while you're trying to sleep and here's a quote soon we saw the top of the door bulging in as though some terrific force were thrusting against it that's that's some um 50 shades of gray shit right there soon we saw the top of the door bulging in as though some terrific force were thrusting against it but the door held <laughs> Then Jeff's queer. Uh, yeah, this is probably good. I'm doing this episode. <laughs> then Jeff's queer. Then, I, and I know the word means weird, but then Jeff's queer high voice said, I'm coming in! A few seconds later, a heavy pot of ointment. <laughs> um, um, a few seconds later, a heavy pot of ointment kept in the room crashed against the bedstead it should be bedstand but whatever bedstead that might be a real thing in the isle of man but so he basically like when they were like stay out of our daughter's room he's like thrusting against the door and breaks his way in 
the door bulges. And he has a queer high voice. So anyways, he busts in. Now, of course, Vori ends up, like, kind of getting over her fear of Jeff. And they kind of start living with it. But what happens is word gets out that there's this little little mongoose guy running around this house talking mongoose. And so, of course, paranormal investigators start showing up at the house. And... You know, the, na- the neighboring town knew of it. People in the, in the area knew of Jeff, the talking mongoose. And, and then these psychic investigators show up, see what's up. And this should be your first clue. Something's going sideways with this story. Nothing happens. They don't hear him. They don't see him. Nothing happens. Now, family would be like, hey, Jeff, say something. Say something. Nothing. Now, other psychic investigators would come out, and they would hear Jeff being like, Get him out of here! He doesn't believe in spirits! I don't like him, that knucklehead! And they'd be like, Oh my god, psychic investigators like, Oh my god, I totally heard that. At one point... Actually, this was interesting. So at one point... The, so there's this theory that poltergeist activity is caused not by the spirit. Like, poltergeist activity, the difference between that and a ghost is poltergeist is when stuff moves around your house, like doors being open and stuff's lying around, and there's a strong thrusting against your bedroom door. That's generally classified as a poltergeist. And there is a scientist who came up with the theory that poltergeist activity is actually not ghosts. It is caused by mental anguish. It's basically more like psychokinesis than anything else like than that. Than like a spooky spirit. It's more like your mental... Your, your, your basically, your mental is leaving... Like your mental anguish can't be contained in your body or in your brain, so it has to find another outlet. His name was... Nam... Dude, that's a dope name. Sounds like a Lord of the Rings villain. Nandor Fodor. Maybe not a villain. He could actually be like anyone. That could be the most normal guy in Lord of the Rings. Where does that take place? Middle Earth. Nandor Fodor could like be the guy who delivers your mail. But in any other universe, he'd be the bad guy. So anyways, he came out and he had a couple interesting theories. But the main one was first he was like, uh, it's kind of kind of poltergeisty, kind of not. He ended up thinking that it was not... Generally, poltergeist activity is caused by young kids going through adolescence and they have all this energy and it's like being expelled psychically. His thing was, I think it's the father. I think he had like all these great dreams and desires as a kid and now he's like locked in. He got a woman pregnant and he's just the husband and has a kid and all this stuff and he's just letting all the psychic energy out and so on and so forth. Now, a couple psychic investigators, like I said, didn't hear anything, and some of them did. Some of them brought reporters and witnesses as witnesses, nothing. They couldn't hear anything. Now, word started to spread that it was a hoax, that it wasn't true. At one point, one of the psychic investigators was walking, and he heard the voice. He's like, oh my god, he heard the voice. Now, he's walking, and the, the father, James, is next to him, and Vori standing behind him. And here's the voice being like, he doesn't believe in the spirits. And a psychic investigator's like, uh, that voice came from right behind me, where the little girl is who's following us. And the father's like, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. It was It was the, the little mongoose running to the walls. And so that kind of really soured people on Jeff. Because this fabled psychic investigator was like, yeah, I heard it. It was the little girl. Eventually, the family moved, the Irvings moved, and Jeff didn't follow them. 
They had no other reported dealings with Jeff. The James passed away, and the the mom and the Vori had to move away. They actually had to sell the farm at a discount because the word in town that was that it was haunted. No one wanted to buy this house, this haunted house, which I wouldn't have a problem with it, especially if he was kind of like a dope little mongoose running around. The new owner ended up buying the property. <sighs> the new owner ended up buying the property, and maybe like a. a couple months, a year, or whatever later, ended up shooting this giant mongoose. <laughs> this giant creature that was running around. Because there were mongooses in the area, or mongoose. Some guy imported them. I guess I should have said that in the beginning. Some guy imported them to help cull the rabbit population. Anyways, the new owner of the house shot a mongoose, and he's like, I killed Jeff, and Vori, now an adult, was like, that's not what he looked like. And now the house is burned down. There's been no Jeff sightings. Even in her old age, Vori was like, no, it was totally true, and I didn't like him, and I wish he just left us alone. So again, it's kind of weird. I can understand her saying, no, it is true, and it was a whimsical fantasy of me hanging out with this talking mongoose, or no, it was all fake, and it sucked because it ended up ruining my life. But she's stating that, no, it is real, and it ruined my life. Like, she basically... She became known as the fraud. I guess that would be a reason to keep up, keep it up if you didn't want to be considered more of a fraud. I don't know. Do you think... I remember my very first episode on this podcast all those months ago was about talking critters, little talking animals. And obviously not like Jeff. They were about how animals communicate with each other. But I think for an animal to be... Oh, and it could speak Hebrew and knew all these languages. It was just such a... It's such a weird... If it's fake, it seems like they made it overly complicated. They could have just said, there's a creature in my walls that throws stuff. Or that even that's complicated. There's a creature in my wall that talks or makes noises or whatever. Or it would, if you're going to fake it, just say there's a ghost in your house. But it wasn't just a talking animal. It was a talking mongoose who came from New Delhi and could throw things. And could hear whispers like they were normal conversations. And spoke several different languages. It seems, if it was a hoax, it seems like it was an elaborate hoax. It's possible that they were the victims of the hoax. But other people have said, you know, it it went on for so long. Either the entire family was in on it from the beginning. Because they go, the way that the house, it's kind of cramped up. That one person wouldn't be able to hoax the other people. They did also say that the way, because you know the creaks in the wall. I was saying the built the house wasn't built really well. You could be on one floor talking to the wall, and you would hear the sound somewhere else. But the investigators who came out said that everyone was in the same room. But again, actually, now that I say that, those are the times nobody heard it. It's probably a hoax. But no, no, yeah, it, it, there's no but to that. It. Very most likely is a hoax. However, it would be awesome if it wasn't. It would be awesome if there was a little, like, rapscallion mongoose who was running around your house being like, listen to me, you fat-headed gnome, and, like, bulging your door open. I mean, maybe not second part. But, yeah, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Hoover the Talking Seal I found out about because I was researching Jeff. This was a story, and I should say this too, Jeff the Talking Mongoose was recommended to me by, through email, from a listener named Antonio. So thank you for that. He, I had heard about Jeff a while back and kind of passed on the story because I was like, eh. And then I ended up, but I said, you know, he sent this to me. I'll do some more research on it. And there's a ton of stuff on Jeff. 
and they found like hair samples and there's like photos and stuff like that but again they sent they like we found hair from jeff and they send it out to a lab and they go yeah it's from a dog or a cat or a rat or whatever same thing with little paw prints and there were mongooses in the area as well there's drawings of them if you find a drawing very convincing it's not really evidence but jeff the talking mongoose i wish you existed but i think you are completely fake Let's move on to the next story here. So, the next story is... I'm going to talk about some personal experiences I had at the Stanley Hotel. It's a historically haunted hotel. The story is that Stephen King stayed there on the off-season, so his family were the only ones there. And he had a nightmare about his son being chased down the hallway by a hose or something like that. Then he's like, I'm going to write a book about that. I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. I think his short stories are amazing, but his novels are just pretty wandery. They go on and on and on. But So anyways, there's, you know, a lot of Ghost Hunter shows have gone there, and it's just known locally and nationally and internationally as this haunted location. So at the time, my mother was doing, she worked for the National Guard, helping veterans come when you're, they're coming from Iraq or Afghanistan or really anywhere, but generally it was coming from the hot zones. So my mom, when she worked for the National Guard, that was her job. So veterans would come back and she would help. She ran these programs to help get them back into the groove of things. So it was a lot of like family retreats and things like that to just kind of reacclimate them to civilian life. They're still They're still soldiers, but you know what I mean? Like, now they're back to like having to pay bills and go to the movies and things like that. And they do these big seminars. So one year they were having the seminar at the Stanley Hotel. And my mom, I was in the area. My mom said, hey, do you want to go up to the Stanley Hotel? We're going to be there for the weekend. We're going to be running like these workshops, but you can just run around the hotel. I was like, hell yeah, dude. You know, it's pretty dope. So we go to the Stanley Hotel. And the first night... I just decided to, we were there for like two days, three nights or whatever. The first night I was like, you know what, I'm here, it's cold, there's snow everywhere, I hate the snow. And I was like, I'm just going to like chill. I go, tomorrow night I'll probably like walk around and look for ghosts and stuff like that. But tonight, I'm just going to chill. And so I ended up watching for the very first time Eastbound and Down. And I was laughing so hard, that show's hilarious. Never heard of it before and I watched like six episodes. They're doing like some marathon in Showtime. The next day I get up, I'm just kind of, again, walking around, eating croissants, you know, stuff you do normally at hotels. I went for a walk around the hotel. It's just a very normal place. One thing I've noticed is that it's beautiful. Hotel was built, like, in 1907. This beautiful, like, old-school, antique, really rich-person hotel. Just hardwood everywhere. It's just, it looks like you're walking around a giant mansion. And... In the middle of this, like, turn-of-the-century-built hotel, there are these, I mean, massive, like, the size of a baby's head, water mains, like, fire, what are those things called? Not necessarily, like, what are those fire sprinkler things? Was this, I mean, like, you'd be walking through this, um, like, million-dollar hotel, and right above your head, there were these huge metal pipes running all... It totally looked like half of it was 
Trump Tower, and then you look up slightly, and you're like in the steerage section of Titanic. And you're like, what? It was weird, because it was totally uh, throwing off this vibe. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, they, they probably just have to have like this world-class sprinkler system for... You know, because it's a fancy hotel, they don't, it's maybe it's for insurance reasons. I'd never been in a fancy hotel before. I'd been in like, I don't know, Holiday Inn. I always thought Holiday Inn was nice. So the next day, I'm just kind of walking around, exploring stuff, walking, but not like super exploring stuff. Like I said, I was eating croissants. And that night, I said, you know what? So now it's the second night. I was like, I'm going to like just walk around. And the place was packed. Because it was winter, so people were up skiing. They had all the National Guard people there. Not all of them, obviously, but, you know, a bunch of National Guard people there and their families. Oh, oh, oh. So so this is when it started to get weird. So the whole thing is ghost based around ghost tours and stuff like that, which is really not what I'd want to hear if I just came back from Iraq. Being here about these tortured souls, they're like, this person died a horrible death, and now he's doomed to walk the planet. And you're like... I just watched a Hummer get blown up in front of me like three weeks ago. I don't want to hear about this stuff. And there were complaints about that afterwards. People were like, don't ever have another seminar here. All they ever talk about at the hotel, like all the tours are based around like people dying. But anyway, so I go on the ghost tour during the day. And they're like, the tour guide's this very attractive young woman. And she's like, oh, this is the ballroom where sometimes you'll see like a ghost at 3 a.m. dancing around. And I'm like, uh. and they're like, this is this hallway and this is the door. This is room 237. This is where Stephen King stayed or 217 or whatever. This is where Stephen King stayed. And this is from the movie. And everyone's like, ooh. Then we go into this one room and she's like, this room is haunted because inside this walk-in closet, there's a ghost of a randy old man. And if women walk in there, he'll feel you up. He'll, like, grab your, you know, he'll, like, tickle you or grab your butt or whatever. And I'm like, ah. And she goes, any volunteers to go in? And this 13-year-old girl goes, I'll go in. And the tour guide's demeanor totally changes. Before, you know, she's dressed up in like this old school, like colonial costume or 1900s costume, whatever. And she's like been super bright and vibrant. And she's talking about like this creepy pervert ghost in this closet who grabs women. And the little girl goes, I'll go in. And the tour guide's demeanor completely changed. And she goes, you have to be over 18 to enter the closet. (laughs) So I remember thinking, okay. What? Like, if this is totally fake, why would it matter how old the person was? Because whoever goes in there, it's the power of suggestion. They're going to go in there and they're going to be come out and be like, he touched my butt. But if if there really is a perverted old man living in that closet, you don't want to send a minor into that room. I remember thinking that totally changed the color of the whole tour. Because before it was like, want to hear some campfire ghost stories? And then after that, it was like, stay away from the men, stay away from the old man with the candy. I was like, what? And I was like, that's that's a weird thing. You think, I mean, maybe you don't want a 13-year-old girl going in there and then coming out and being like, mommy, mommy, he touched me. Like, even the power suggestion works, but it's it kind of, I was like, well, that's a weird reaction. And that was just the beginning. So that night, I'm walking around the hotel by myself and it's probably around 10 o'clock at night 
And I wasn't like a big nerd. I didn't have my camera or my infrared scope or anything like that. I might have had my, I don't think I had a smartphone back then. But, you know, I wasn't like, I'm going to find me some ghosts. I'm going to prove these exist. I just kind of wanted to walk around late at night in this creepy hotel. Because it is admittedly quite creepy. And I get, I'm walking down the hallways and I see, here, talk about taking the boo pill, guys. I see these four co-eds sitting and kind of hanging outside their hotel room, kind of chatting it up. And I walk by them. There's some guys who are like, hey, baby, what's up? Not to me, to the girls. <laughs> so that would be a totally different story. Uh, so I kind of walk around the hotel. I come back maybe 30, 40 minutes later, and they're still out there. And I walk up to them. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, nothing. And uh, they go, what are you doing? I was like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of exploring the hotel and stuff like that. And, of course, we start talking about ghosts because that's really why people come there. So I just sit down there, and I'm we're kind of just sitting on the floor outside their hotel room. Two of the girls are kind of coming in and out, and then the other two girls are staying out there the whole time. We're just talking and stuff like that. And one of the girls goes, you know, it's weird. Uh, before you showed up, we kept hearing this noise in this door down the way. Like, we can hear the alarm clock going off really loudly. I'm like, well, that's not that weird. And And she goes, yeah, but what's weird is that why isn't anyone acknowledging it like you think if the person in the room was asleep they shut off the alarm but at the very least the people in the neighboring rooms should be complaining because it's really really loud and i was like that's interesting yeah let's go check that out and they're like yeah really i was like yeah 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 let's go you know i used to hunt ghosts and stuff like that so we get up and we go down the hallway and i you can clearly hear this loud ass e e the most annoying noise in the world is an alarm clock you can't shut off. And it's very clear when you're standing outside the door. And again, I'm thinking, well, it could just be that the alarm clock's going off. And I'm talking to the girls. And I was like, it could just be the alarm clock's going off. And nobody knows that it's on. And that the the walls are fairly thick. At this point, one of the girls kind of leans to the door. And I think she went to test the handle or something like that. And she, it doesn't open. She lets go of the handle, and we're talking there for a bit more. And then the handle turns on its own, like someone's trying to get out. So at that point, we realize that either one of two things have happened. There was either somebody in there, and they thought someone was turning the knob to get in. Or there wasn't someone in there, and something was turning the knob to get out. So we kind of like did a Scooby-Doo run back down to where their room was. And I was like, oh my God, that's totally terrifying. But again, I'm thinking, you know, completely understandable. Then we got it in our brain to break into a janitor's closet. It, it was so bizarre. That Okay, that's standard Jason stuff. And I remember there was this janitor closet. Oh, the light was on in the janitor closet. That's why. And it, again, now we're like at midnight. And I go, that's weird. The, the lights on the janitor's. I don't know why I thought it was weird. I think I was just saying stuff to impress chicks. But I was like, it's, you know, the janitor's lights on. I wonder if there's something spooky in there. And they go, oh yeah, let's check it out. So we go. To, now we're back on their floor. I actually, the, the whole thing, the doorknob down the way also took place on their floor, and the alarm clock did stop going off after a certain point. But again, the alarm clocks, electricity, stuff turns on and off. Doorknobs. Maybe when she turned the doorknob and let go. And then we were talking, maybe she tightened it and then undid itself. There's rational explanations for a lot of this, not all of it. I remember I was thinking, oh, you know, we should break into this janitor's closet. I used to be a real hooligan back in the day. I didn't have a problem with, like, breaking into stuff. So 
And I remember I want to impress these girls. And I thought, you know what I should do? I should pull out like my credit card and like try to jimmy the door thing. And it's not going to work. It never works because the way that the lock is, it's the smooth part is on the other side. On your main part, on the outside part, it's like the rectangle. And on the inside, it's the little half moon shaped thing. And I thought, but you know, I'm going to try. It'll be kind of cool. Like to look, make it look like I'm a burglar or something. <laughs> that wasn't far from the truth at the time. But, And I pulled out my credit card. And I remember I stuck it in knowing full well it wouldn't work. And it worked. And I so I'm like in front of these girls. And I was like, here, I got this. Pulling out my credit card knowing that I was just going to jiggle it around for a bit. And then be like, oh, I must be one of those special locks. I pull my credit card out. I slide it against the lock. And it goes click, click. And I was like, holy shit. Now, maybe that's not paranormal. Maybe that's just me being a pimp. But again, I or a badly designed door, but I thought that was really weird. It shouldn't have happened. The, the janitor's closet was not haunted, by the way. But as the night progressed, you're like, Jason, you're just telling us this random stuff. This is the creepy thing. So I'm sitting there with the girls, and now we're probably around, I don't know, midnight, 1 o'clock. And I say... You know, the scariest stuff supposedly happens at 3 a.m., the witch's hour. And they're like, ooh, really? Oh, and I asked them, why are you ladies here? Why are you? It's spring break. That's, okay, yeah, I remember now. It was happening during spring break. But there was snow everywhere. I guess it was in Colorado, so there's always snow everywhere. But I go, so why are you guys here? Like, why aren't you guys, like, on a beach in spring break? Oh, oh, I should add, they were all really, really hot. I go, why are you guys here and not like at a beach somewhere? And they go, oh, we just wanted to go and see a bunch of ghosts. And I'm thinking, I said, that's how horror movies start. Like going, four hot girls going together to like a haunted, like a purposely haunted location. You know how many horror movies start like that? And they're like, ooh, they didn't make ghost noises. But I mean, you know, because they were hot and I'm telling them they were hot. But anyways, so we're sitting there and I said, let's stay up till... <laughs> I don't know how many people are still listening to this episode, but we're sitting there It's and I said, let's stay up until 3 a.m. Now, at this point, two of the girls were like, you know what? We're tired. We're going to go to bed. But the other two girls... We're, and at this point, we're just chatting about all sorts of stuff. Their room was right on the corner. So it was right next to a, the staircase, one of many staircases in the building. And we're sitting there and we're talking and the girl who's sitting closest to the stairs goes... Did you hear that? And I see her kind of look over the awning and she goes, did you hear that? And me and the other girl were like, what, what did you hear? And she goes, someone she was just walking up those stairs, but like they stopped halfway and there's no one down there. And I'm like, what? And the other girl, we kind of look over that ledge and there's nobody down there. It's like three or four flights of stairs and there's more stairs going up. So maybe about an hour later, we're all sitting there, we're talking, and we all hear someone walking up the stairs. And you could hear like the... Going up. And the stairs don't seem to make that much noise when people normally walk on them. But you can hear like the creak of each stair getting closer and closer. And we're like, what, what was that? And then I think about an hour, it happened again, maybe a half hour later. We hear that. But now it's the flight, like 
so there's a flight of stairs, a landing, and then another flight of stairs and a landing, a flight of stairs and a landing. It's on the landing that we should be able, it's on the landing directly below us. So it's like, let's say 10 steps up, landing, then 10 steps up. That second 10 steps up is where we're at. We hear it go, "Uh, uh," like slowly though, I'm not going to prolong it again. And it goes up to landing and we hear a, very clearly like we're dead silent we heard the walking earlier from floor to the floor underneath us and now we're hearing it at our landing basically like below us and we're looking and there's nothing there we clearly hear someone breathing and i remember thinking it had gone in hour-long intervals so i think it was midnight the first time we heard it at the bottom of the stairs and then it was one and now it was two, and we heard it on that landing, and I thought, it's happening. I told him, I go, it's happening every hour. So whatever is doing this, it's taking its time. But I said, that means at 3 a.m., it will be where we're at. And I was like, do you guys want to stay up till 3 a.m.? And they're like, hell yeah, dude, we're almost there. And we're sitting, and we're talking, and then um, having a good old time. And sure enough, <sighs> Uh, uh, walking up the stairs and then we don't hear anything it's not breathing in front of us there's no jump scare no big ghost and then we're like okay we're going to bed like whatever had whatever was walking had gotten to our floor was where we would have been we didn't hear it walking past us we didn't look in the mirror and it say help me or anything creepy it was just this weird shared audio experience that we had and so we're like okay that was weird again you don't know what's going to happen we didn't know if we were all going to get like taken to some hell dimension or something like that obviously it didn't happen unless the hell dimension is where your friends forget it's your birthday however i said au revoir to the beautiful young women and went back to my room the next day though i was walking around the hotel getting more croissants and there was a starbucks in there too or no no it wasn't a starbucks it was a normal coffee shop so it sucked and i was talking to the guy behind the counter just like a you know a dude working a job and i said hey what is it with all of these big pipes i go you got this is such a nice hotel but why are these giant water like water pipes like it totally ruins the vibe he looks at me and he goes happy birthday jason (laughs) i'm just joking he looks at me and he says you know how many fires get started in this place? He goes, nobody knows why. He goes, there's fires everywhere in this place. And so we have to have a state-of-the-art fire suppression system to stop it. Everyone, so the so Stanley Hotel sits above a town. And I go, you know, is do you think it's ghosts causing these fires? And he looks at me and he says, everyone in the town has either been injured or knows someone who's been injured at this hotel. The people who live in town wouldn't care if this entire place burned down someday. Handed me my coffee. I think that's an interesting button on that story because we hear like, ooh, these spooky legends of this place. But if you lived in the shadow of a building that if it is truly haunted and it's the main source of your economy, you would have people go, hey, I'm going to go get a job at 
Stanley, yeah, I finally got my job. And people would be like, don't work there, honey. Don't work there. You know what happened to your uncle. You know what happened to Bruce. You know what happened to Tina. But that's really the only job in town. It almost is like this Shining-esque prison for the people there. They have these mysterious fires and these hauntings and these accidents and these injuries that don't... See, that's one thing. You can sell people on, come stay at our hotel. It's spooky. You can't sell people on, come stay at our hotel. The people who work here get injured very, very often. You wouldn't have that. You wouldn't put that in your brochure. So if people were like working on something, like working on a ladder... And the ladder gets knocked out from underneath them and they fall down and break their arm. They're going to quit because they'll be like, there was, I was the only one in that hallway. Or some, if a maid's cleaning a room and she turns around and a dresser's on fire, she's going to be like, I'm out of here. You're not going to put that stuff in your brochure. You're going to talk about the spooky ghosts that float around in the ballroom. Or the room that Stephen King wrote his stories in. But if the guy who worked there, if he you know, wasn't pulling my leg... And it, I, I don't necessarily think he 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 was because I was it was such an odd question. I asked him about the water mains and he just was like, "Oh, this is why," rather than just being a barista and being like, "I don't know." Uh, other than the tour guides and the people being part of the hotel, everyone else to them it was just a job. It wasn't this spooky adventure they were on. It was just them showing up to work. So when they're just like, "This place is cursed." It's not fun haunted. People get injured here. And the people in town wish this place would just be destroyed. That's different than, you know, wearing a colonial costume, telling people to go into the closet full of the creepy pervert man. I wouldn't go back there. I got that sense of negative energy from that place. I've went there once. I would not spend another night at the Stanley Hotel. That's my personal read on it. I do think that I think I think it's you're very likely to get injured there and very likely for it you're that world class fire suppression system to kick in. I don't think it's a fun haunted place like say the Winchester Mystery House. I think it's something much more sinister than that. If you get the opportunity to go, you you might want to take it, but you know you might want to sleep with your eyes open and uh, not go into your closet. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. At Jason O'Carpenter is going to be the Twitter account. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>